So Nate, how did you first meet Saul and Raj? Well, actually, I've never met either of them in person, but Saul and I have followed each other on Twitter for a minute, and a few months ago, he DM'd me out of the blue, and he said, yo, would y'all at GenGND have any interest in doing an episode on the state of the Green New Deal in Congress? And so I talked to him, and I was really impressed by the way that Saul has brought his organizing background into building support in Congress for Green New Deal policies and working with other people um, like Raj in Congressman Bowman's office, who you'll also hear from. And they're both just pretty chill dudes and great storytellers. I remember you talking to Saul and being like, there's this whole group of congressional aides who are working on Green New Deal legislation, and they're bringing organizing skills to Congress. We have to do an episode about it. And I was a little skeptical because I was like, behind the scenes legislative work and writing bills and getting people to sign on, it's not that sexy. No, it's not. But I just said, you have to talk to Saul. You'll get it when you do. Yeah, and I did. I think this is actually one of our more hopeful episodes in a while. I knew there were these bills floating around in Congress, Green New Deal for Public Schools, Green New Deal for Public Housing, et cetera, et cetera. But I wasn't that familiar with the strategy or the details behind them. Yeah, and I think that's something this episode gets into is why those bills and the process of developing them and getting people to actually sign on to them are really important. Yeah, I think about the original Green New Deal resolution that AOC and Ed Markey introduced in 2019. It was groundbreaking in so many ways, but because it was groundbreaking, it was very much a loose framework. One of the criticisms of the rollout of the Green New Deal, um, which I think does have merit, is that it was really lacking in any detail. They put it out um, when they did because of the momentum created by the Pelosi sit-in, but there really weren't any detailed plans for Green New Deal policy to plug into that. Right. And thanks to the people that we're about to hear from in this episode and their bosses and their colleagues, next time there's a political moment that shows that people are ready for radical climate action, there will be. Hell yeah. I hear frequently from people that they feel burdened by the weight of the climate crisis but have few opportunities to take meaningful action. Well, I want to tell you about a new initiative that recently launched called Inside the Movement. Inside the Movement is meant to provide you with a clear path to take meaningful action, no matter what your capacity is. Each week, you'll receive an email in your inbox that will point to easy-to-share climate stories, recent climate justice wins, scorecards to keep track of where major companies actually stand, and the top campaigns, actions, and events in the movement, with links to everything to make taking action as easy as possible. Inside the Movement is your gateway to meaningful climate action. So sign up now and maximize your impact at itm.earth. That's itm.earth. Thanks for jumping on, you guys. So right before you got on, Raj, Saul was about to check if anyone knew had signed on to any of the Green New Deal bills. So how's it, how's it looking, Saul? <laughs> you know, there's no one new today, but considering I checked them less than 24 hours ago, I don't think that's much of a sign. Um, but we've had dozens of new sign-ons in the past couple of weeks, actually. Um, and there's been um, just some really exciting new updates. Um, I also don't know if you've been able to see this, Sam, but there's some new polling out from Data for Progress that came out on Friday, and it shows immense support um, among actually all voters for the Green New Deal, and it shows a remarkable gap between the extent to which voters support the Green New Deal 
and the extent to which members of Congress support the Green New Deal. I mean, basically every bill that was polled had 60 plus percent support. And one of the things that it revealed is that Black voters are carrying the Green New Deal. I mean, Black voters support the Green New Deal at extremely high rates. I think the numbers for, you know, various different bills are like 70 to 80 percent of voters. Um, and there's also some really interesting uh, data to suggest that Republican voters are way ahead of their own members of Congress uh, in supporting the Green New Deal. Some around 40 percent of Republican voters polled said that they support the Green New Deal for public schools or the Green New Deal for public housing in particular. Um, which, you know, really shows that it's not just Democrats, but Republicans who are out of step. The people love the Green New Deal. Well, I'm Saul Levin. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I have been on Capitol Hill since the summer of 2020. And I initially ended up on Capitol Hill because I was in graduate school for environmental planning. One thing led to another, trying to find a job in the pandemic. I ended up applying and got very lucky to work for Congresswoman Cori Bush. So here I am. <laughs> so I'm, I'm uh, Rajiv Sakura and I go by Raj, he, him pronouns. Um, so I am senior policy advisor on Congressman uh, Jamal Bowman's legislative team and focused on, you know, the Green New Deal. Um, I basically, I'm, I'm, um, quite a bit older, I would guess, than the average uh, house, house staffer. I uh, worked for a long time on climate stuff before coming to the Hill. And most of that was working with um, Naomi Klein, the, the author, and, and specifically as a um, researcher with her on, on uh, This Changes Everything. How did you guys meet each other? Um, and like, what is the general vibe of like the group of young aides who are all working on this together? I mean, I, 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 I very quickly heard, started hearing references to, quote, this crazy guy, Saul, who was doing various things um, related to climate. And uh, he hit me up pretty quickly after I got, you know, this job. And we just started talking, like, every week about how shit works and how we could, you know, try to shake shit up. When we find someone really bad... No, I'm just kidding. When we find someone really good, uh, you know, we try and bring bring folks in. I mean, people, you know, I heard like Raj and I started meeting on a weekly basis months before he technically started the job. Um, just trying to figure out like, Sim, part of what we do as people who have a bit more experience than other people, because uh, people burn out quickly on Capitol Hill or lose their good politics or, you know, any number of problems that happen. Um is we try and, you know, I constantly reach out to new folks who get hired and kind of invite them in and say, like, hey, like, these are things because Capitol Hill is transparent that, like, we can kind of show you and invite you into so that you don't have the imposter syndrome you might have. Um, and, and here are some things that can get you ahead. Like, we want people to, you know, progressive folks who are actually here to fight for communities. Like, I think we all want, you know, those friends those allies to have a leg up when they come into the job and to get to, to at least stay a while and do some amazing work. So I heard through the grapevine actually from my roommate that this legendary dude named Raj was coming to work on Capitol Hill. 
Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to start calling him on a near daily basis. And Raj was like, what the hell? Like, what, what's going on? But he was also like, but seriously, like, I have questions. We'll be following up on a weekly basis minimum. And so, um, you know, that's where it kind of started. But, you know, like all good things, the relationship really got cemented at a barbecue in Prospect Park. So let's not, you know, let's not overlook the social dimension of how we're building power here. Sam, you are extremely welcome to come to our next Green New Deal happy hour, which is happening in about 10 days. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. Um, I definitely want to make it to one of those. <laughs> to kind of rewind and zoom out for a minute, the main reference that your average person has for the workings of Congress is, is like Schoolhouse Rock and that sort of narrative. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. How does one of these bills go to being potentially part of a law in the future? We're looking at the end of the decade of the Green New Deal. We're looking at 2030 and we're looking at 2025 and saying, what kind of shit do we need now so that we can have a Green New Deal in five or eight years? And what, what I'm talking about is literally like, Carving out time that isn't set up for you to have if you're a con congressional staffer to develop like the new pieces of the Green New Deal to like, you know, sit down with my boss and think through like, what does St. Louis actually need and how do we turn that into policy? But not in a way of like, so that we can get a win tomorrow and have a cute press release, but in a way that's like, we're trying to transform this community to eradicate brownfields in the near future so that people stop getting sick. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, going off of that, like, could you talk a little bit about like what I think there's a lot of mi misunderstanding slash like communication challenge around like what <laughs> the Green New Deal actually is, um, because it was introduced as sort of like a, a framework and sort of an, uh, yeah, like a legislative slash idea framework as opposed to an individual bill. So could you kind of talk about like what the vision um, in your office, like the squad in general is of like what a Green New Deal is and what like how you are sort of creating component parts in all of these individual bills that could sort of like gradually fit together to create a, a broader Green New Deal framework and vision for the country. Yeah, I mean, to me, the Green New Deal is about actually doing what we need to do to take on the climate crisis and have everybody come out better through the process as opposed to worse. And what that means is massive public investments um, in green infrastructure and elimination of fossil fuel subsidies. It means, you know, green social housing. It means green public schools. It means decarbonizing our cities using local expertise and giving people the resources they actually need in many communities where people have an idea of what actually needs to be done, but they don't actually have the physical resources and money to do what needs to be done to take on the climate crisis. So the Green New Deal is about massive public investment, but it's also about building a future with, you know, the environment and, and you know, this interconnectedness um, of different things like healthcare and um, high quality school, public schooling, um, with a clean and healthy environment, which is an underlying component of all of these things. I completely agree with how Saul framed it. And I think there's, you know, I, I, th I would say there's two pieces to this. One is 
if we let it, climate change is, is, as we know, it's going to make every single kind of inequality or oppression that we have worse if we let it. And the opposite can be true and has to be true that our solutions are going to eliminate those inequalities and oppressions. And it has to be about just fundamentally making people's lives better. So this is, it's really about just, just fundamentally providing for people's needs and the conditions that they require to unleash their, their creativity. And a big part of that is care. Um, you know, as Saul was saying, like education is just as much a part of the Green New Deal as the renewable energy industry. And, you know, just in the way that we need to make sure we're unionizing wind and solar jobs and making them high paying good jobs, which they're not all now. We have to do the same for home care and child care and teaching, which far too often are very, very low paying and secure jobs, even though they're becoming the dominant part of our economy. Um, and, 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 you know, these are low carbon jobs and taking care of each other is going to be even more necessary as we kind of cope with escalating climate impacts, as we fundamentally change our economy and people are, you know, we're creating new industries, people are moving around, et cetera. And everything I just said, you know, all of those arguments uh, were made in a, in a resolution that Congressman Bowman uh, introduced last year. It's called the Care for All Agenda, which is is making the case for for massive public investment in the care economy and situating that as part of the Green New Deal. Uh, so I encourage you to check that out. Um, and then I think the second, you know, the second big piece is is what does it take to do all of this at a at a governance level, um, which is really about you know reinvigorating our democracy. Um, we we have to do. There's no getting around the fact that we have to have centralized, you know, federally driven, public sector led investment and economic planning to transition our economy to, to hit our climate targets. There's no getting around that. But we can do it. If we have any hope of doing that, we have to do it democratically. We have to figure out how to maximize public participation and democratic ownership over, over this process and do it in a way that fully reckons with environmental injustice, the climate injustice, the economic injustice, and, and racial injustice of, of how, we've, how we got here. That's like the broad vision of the Green New Deal. But the Green New Deal exists, Sam. Like this is a true moment in history where we have dozens of bills now that are in keeping with the Green New Deal that many different people have worked on over the past several years that are transformative. I mean, there's the core Green New Deal bills, you know, the Green New Deal for cities and public schools and public housing, as well as a handful of others that are kind of the crux of like actual enactable legislation. Yeah. So tell me kind of just like the, the broad strokes framing of of the Green New Deal for public schools, what does it do, um, and how does it kind of fit into the broader framework of the Green New Deal? Yes. So the Green New Deal for public schools is a $1.4 trillion investment in transforming our public education K-12 through system 
And I think, you know, as, as many of, of your listeners know, Congressman Bowman is an educator. He was a, a teacher and then a principal who founded his own uh, school in the Bronx. So he has, you know, firsthand experience with the fact that many schools in this country do not have working water fountains or bathrooms. They have entire floors that are not usable because of mold infestations, asbestos, toxins in the air, where over half of school districts, public school districts in this country, need major repairs. And that's before you get to the climate stuff at all. The uh, American Society of Civil Engineers, you know, has given our public school infrastructure a grade of D plus. And it's it's no accident that, that this stuff is concentrated in black and brown communities, in poor communities in rural parts of the country. And what happens when you add climate disasters on top of that? You undermine the ability of young people of color to, to thrive in school when there's um, extreme heat. You, you know, we had uh, a school in our district in New Rochelle that, that was badly flooded uh, during Hurricane Ida. So what the bill does is we're saying, you know, we're providing enough funding for every single public school in the country to get to zero carbon emissions, to completely eliminate the health harms I described. Um, And we're also going to rectify the disinvestment in education by investing in way more teachers. Um, And so, you know, tying it all together is this idea that every single school is gonna become a teaching lab for the green energy transition. And you're gonna get curriculum support to actually delve into this stuff. Imagine students being able to study the process of the retrofit and the changes to the building and delve into all of the politics of, of, and the social you know, science of, of dealing with climate change and to be able to participate in all kinds of resilience efforts, community gardening, electric school buses. It's also about unleashing the potential of every young person to confront what this crisis means and how we're going to solve it and to, to find the way that they want to participate in, in, in doing that. Think about the fact that, you know, as Congressman Bowman says, schools are the heartbeat of our communities. There's a school in every community. And what kind of coalitions can you build with that to fight for for climate action? So, you know, first and foremost, of course, we've got the radical kids that we are, you know, that have been leading, shocking the conscience of of the country and, and leading this fight in many ways. We've got teachers, we've got community members, we've got parents. AFT and NEA and the teachers unions and and DSA, Sunrise Movement, building trades workers in New York City. This is a a cross-section of society, literally. The Green New Deal for Cities, and that was a bill that I found really fascinating and beautiful. So I want to just talk about like what the Green New Deal for Cities is and um, what it would do and what the vision is there. Can I I ask you something? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Rhode Island, which is where I am now. (laughs) 
Got it. Okay. So, I mean, imagine the connection that you can have to a Green New Deal for Providence. Most people in this country just don't care about federal policy. Like the, 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 the strategy that we're trying to take and literally how we were thinking about this is Corey and I were talking and we were like, you know, the congressman was like, okay, well, like, how do we, you know, how do we get a, you know, what's a Green New Deal for St. Louis look like? What is, you know, I'm from Michigan. What is a Green New Deal um, for my community in Michigan look like? Imagine if you could be like, wow, like we're on the precipice of getting a Green New Deal in Rhode Island, like millions, billions of federal dollars coming into our state and our community to actually fund the projects that we need that would affect everyone's lives from like making, you know, improving sidewalks to actually having good bus service to, you know, a very flexible series of, you know, aspects of decarbonization and environmental justice. So I think it really came from an organizing mentality where we were like, how did, like, how can people connect to what they need and how can we make this, you know, federal policy and ideation or whatever more accessible um, to people by making it something that actually affects people's lives? What's the kind of strategy around, like, getting... Um people on board with these bills and like is there any have you had any kind of like surprising victories in terms of getting folks that maybe wouldn't you wouldn't expect to to co-sponsor a, a bill with the green New deal's name on it um on board yeah like tell me a little bit about the the strategy around around actually building support for these bills you know you really have to ask raj because this man got almost has gotten almost 10 people who have never signed on to another green new deal bill to sign on to the Green New Deal for public schools. People who aren't on the resolution are not on the Green New Deal for cities or public housing. And he just like pushed it forward. Um, Saul kind of turned me into a monster where I'm just like trying to get, just get as much support as possible for these bills. A lot of my work was again, like trying to get components of Green New Deal bills or, um, you know, compatible language or a lens or anything we could into Build Back Better. And so, you know, my boss's signature Green New Deal bill is the Green New Deal for public schools. But I think I lucked out with um, a project that I think encapsulates sort of how how we should be thinking about organizing with the Green New Deal. And that's just the simple fact of, you know, what coalitions can we bring into existence to push for this stuff? Um, so if you have, you know, if you, if you have teachers and, and, you know, teachers unions are obviously extremely embattled in in this moment and really leading the labor movement in a lot of ways right now, they're, you know, one of the biggest pieces of it. Um, they, if you have them kind of reaching out to offices saying, Hey, sign on to this green deal for public schools bill, that, that kind of breaks through the the silo that you know technocratic climate policy tends to fall in right and, and if you if you have teachers if you have um building trades workers and we haven't gotten as far as I, I want to there but we had the new york city building trades um endorse the bill right if you have just not not the usual suspects and not this is not in any way to you know to to shit on the the usual suspects, <laughs> but like, yeah, we, we, we have, we have to show that, that, that green, you know, green deal policy, it, it really does encompass, encompass everything. And 
everyone has a stake in it. So a lot of the push around Build Back Better was saying, okay, the more support we can demonstrate for this, the bigger the coalition we can assemble behind it. So we ended up having a strategy where Raj would get someone on who's never been on anything. And then I would follow up with them and be like, hey, like, what about the Green New Deal for cities? Like, can you sign on to any of these other Green New Deal bills? Um, We'd love your support. And we've been building it up. I mean, honestly, it's been way more successful than I ever imagined. And so Raj and I are really testing the limit of have we have we reached the ceiling? And Sam, we're not even close to the ceiling. We passed in the fall. Actually, no, it was in late summer. We crossed the threshold where now more than 50% of House Democrats support a piece of Green New Deal legislation, which had never happened before. How do you feel like you bring your background as an organizer and like organizing strategy um, to the halls of Congress? And like, how might that differ from, you know, what, say, your average legislative aide does? I came to work in Congress to try and pass the Green New Deal. Like, I don't, you know, it's not... There's, there's nothing, there's not much more to it. And I want to like work for who I think is like one of the most courageous people I know, who's not afraid when, you know, with the constant threats and the constant structures that try and keep you from trying to, you know, um, rapidly transition off of fossil fuels, um, to make massive public investments that are like very, like evidently needed, um, in, in schools, in, in communities and healthcare systems, Um, But I think the difference of the approach is that we're thinking about this in a more holistic way. The United States Congress, and especially the House of Representatives, is set up for rugged individualism. It's about who owns this, um, who's the star. That's how it's set up. You know, everyone's in their individual office, like fighting around one person. And the congresswoman is an organizer, as well as many of us who work for her who are organizers. Take an approach of getting people together who work on, you know, climate change Um, and strategizing together and saying like we all came here because we have a collective vision like we have godchildren or children or there's people we don't know who like we don't want to you know die in a flood in five years and can we make that less likely to happen and reduce the number of people whose houses are going up in flames who are getting asthma because of the communities they live in etc well when i came i was new to congress as, as of the creation of congressman bowman's office last year and i connected with saul very early on. And one of the first things he said to me, which has deeply stuck with me, is, you know, think about how kind of crazy it is that 400 plus members of Congress are just constantly churning out bills. And as a, in many ways, as a result of the structural uh, way that this whole thing is designed, you don't you don't come anywhere near the potential that any one bill can can reach because people first of all just don't continue after they introduce something they get a bunch of supporters they may if they're lucky have some kind of opportunity to advance it in some way with an amendment or something else but they often don't they just move on to the next thing right and so you know when we came out with these this kind of first batch of green new deal branded bills, Green Deal for public housing, schools, um, and, and cities, like I've really took that to heart. And I think if you probably did a poll of other staffers, like who are the most annoying staffers who are constantly asking you to sign on to shit, pretty sure that Saul and I would both rank fairly highly on the list. 
we started a process with a bunch of different congressional offices and frontline organizations, activist groups, green groups to try and figure out what are the sort of gold standard climate justice and Green New Deal bills that have been introduced? What should a member of Congress be supporting as sort of a base level of like they signed the Green New Deal initially, now they're sort of holding true to that in their other commitments? And through a long series of, you know, different calls with many folks and frontline organizations who have been had an ear to the ground and been doing the work on the ground, having a veto of certain bills that had problematic provisions. We sort of landed through that process on an unofficial list of the seven bills. Then Raj and I sort of did a testing period that we're discussing in this call of trying to see what it would look like in our normal capacity as congressional staffers to build support for a list of bills that we thought were really good and sort of just adding to our irregular emails that we send around saying, can you support this bill? asking people to support another one. And then folks sort of reflected and said, okay, there's this list of seven bills, including the original Green New Deal resolution. What's missing? What could be added? Where might there be really good things already introduced that should be included? And so the list was expanded to be 10 bills. And then that list of 10 bills um, was the origin of what a bunch of different organizations, over 40 to be exact, turned into a really exciting project called the Green New Deal Champions Project, which was released just last month. So the organizing mentality is about collective action. It's about strategy. And it's honestly, I just use the tools of if you were organizing a protest and had no resources to try and get wins in Congress. Um, and I also like have a longer term vision than Congress is sort of set up for. You're supposed to sort of respond to a crisis every day. And we take a bit of a different approach. Like we have an aspirational idea of what this country could be like. Like we're very proud to to be part of, you know, the amazing communities that make this country what it is. Um, but also like what we're fundamentally trying to do is figure out how we can like add transparency to the process, like make the process more equitable. Like how can we get like we're fundamentally pushing consultation, free prior and informed consent for indigenous communities, things like that into every piece of legislation we can to grow the number of people who can actually have input in the legislative process. And that's part of what these bills are doing. I, I think I I think I said this before, Sam, but it, it probably bears repeating. Um, like if you if anything about what we're saying, you know, sparks your interest as, as a listener, like please do reach out to either of us because we do need more. We do need more organizers. There's a lot of incredible people um, already here, but it, you know, we, we need even more and it's fun as hell as demoralizing as it can be to be just like up close and personal with the disgusting way that politics is often, you know, run um and, and and you know just contending with like the way that the, that the establishment of the democratic party does things like it's fun as hell to be collaborating with a crew of of you know people who care passionately about you know transformative climate action in partnership with with uh, a whole network of of organizers and groups and and community activists and it's a very thrilling job. And so I highly, people much younger than me need to, need to do it.
you're obviously at the forefront front of like some really visionary policy that would like you said you know probably take five ten years etc to actually implement so i mean i'm curious like what is your you know if if we were actually able to pass a green new deal as you know you your office and other squad offices are envisioning it like if if all or majority of these bills were to pass um eventually in say 2035 what would you imagine it's like to live in america let me first say we're we're not planning to wait that long um but you know what people would be able to go home after work after a reasonable amount of hours of work and go into a house where they weren't worried about their toddler touching the walls that had lead paint in them, where they're able to go to the sink and get a glass of water and they're not going to get lead poisoning. People like life is really can be really good and fun if people have basic things like we don't, you know, we don't need, you know, people don't need to be super wealthy or have everything. So, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, we're going to be able to play basketball at the park, Sam. We're going to be able to just do all these things. The speed with which our summers are heating up is going to be less. The air is going to be polluted with less police bullets. I mean, we're just talking about some fundamental changes so that people can enjoy what is really a beautiful world that we have. Thanks so much to Raj and Saul for coming on the show. If you want to try and join Raj and Saul working in Congress, go to progressivetalentpipeline.org. You can also slide into Saul's DMs on Twitter. We'll post his Twitter handle in the show notes, along with some ways you can support the Green New Deal pledge and legislation. Generation Green New Deal was created by me, Sam Eilertsen, and Nate Birnbaum, and is produced by Takunalan Productions and edited by Noah Foley-Bining. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.